This is the Squared Ham Podcast. Any views or opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the host and guests and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that they may or may not be associated with in their professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions expressed are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, fraternity, business, company, or a specific individual. Now, on to the show. Morning, morning time. I am Mike Schaefer, and welcome to The Squared Ham. It is Thursday, August 24th, 2020. This is episode 13, First Impressions. You never get a chance to make a first impression. I have found that statement isn't always true. I have formed first impressions that were wrong. After time or research, my first impression of people and topics have often changed. We all should have seen the video of Nick Sandman. He was a Kentucky teen on a field trip with his high school. If you remember, that showed a confrontation between him and a Native American protester. Our first impression that we had of him, as painted by the media, was that he confronted the Native American and was disrespectful. Later, video emerged and it showed the opposite. Our first impression was wrong and later changed based on accurate information. Let's talk about Colin Kaepernick. When I first heard of him, I formed an opinion without doing research. I might have even spoken ill of him on early podcasts. But later, after researching various sources on my own, my understanding of him and his cause has changed my opinion. As I've said in a previous podcast, I won't be taking a knee during the National Anthem. But I no longer have an uneducated dislike for the man. I actually respect his convictions and the effort he is making to change things. To Colin Kaepernick, I apologize for judging you too quickly. In my last podcast, I had a bit of a rant at the end. My rant was not directed at the original poster of the Facebook message. I have nothing but respect for her. She is 100% who she is both on and off of Facebook. My rant was, as you heard, at those that accuse me of acting like a whiny millennial. My rant was directed at those that are unable to accept another's point of view. They are incapable of agreeing to disagree. And their go-to is always to revert to name-calling because they can't intellectually defend their position. To them, I make no apologies. I stand behind what I said and I will gladly defend it again, anytime, anyplace. This digital age of social media sure is something. It seems as if many people have two personalities or lives. I see people in real life. I know where they live, work, go to church, and etc. But on Facebook, they're like a different person. I'm like, who are you? Get this. If you didn't know this person in real life and you only interacted with them on Facebook, you wouldn't recognize them in person. They are not who they portray themselves to be. I'm not sure if people use social media as their personal magical fairy tale land or what. I see people posting couples photos all over Facebook. You would think they have the best marriage in the world. But in person, they fight like cats and dogs all the time. 
On the other hand, I have known folks in person that I really liked. They seemed like a cool person to be around. But then on Facebook or social media, they post things that really exposes who they are. It exposes their radical, political, or religious views. It exposes their racism and hatred for others that differ from them. I see posts from children that are extremely inappropriate for a child to be posting. Are the parents not monitoring their child's social media? Or are they actually condoning this inappropriate behavior? I'm definitely going to do some research to produce a podcast dedicated to children and social media. Look for it in the near future. Alright, back to adults and their social media accounts. I have met people in person that I felt, well, okay about. You know, they seemed alright, but nothing special. But after seeing their social media posts, I've gained so much more respect for them. I'm like, wow, that's really, really cool of you. Or that's, that's just amazing, you know. But here's the rub. The trouble or difficulty I have with social media. Is social media showing the realness of an individual? Or is it exposing lies? Is it a combination of both? And how much, how do, how do we know the difference? I have friends on social media that I regret adding as social media friends. You know, I thought much more highly of them before we connected online. I have other social media friends that I look forward to seeing, you know, what they post. And I anxiously look forward to, you know, sharing the digital world with them. It, it, it's enjoyable. Will I quit social media as so many are? No. It just seems like it's getting more ridiculous every day, though. Many folks seem to be living vicariously through their keyboard and these fake social media posts. While social media has many benefits, I don't think it's ever going to replace, you know, good old-fashioned face-to-face interaction. COVID-19, you gotta go. I miss my friends. There are rules of life that are ingrained to us when we are little. Man rules, if you would. Things like, men always walk on the street side of a sidewalk and your lady is on the inside. You get the door to the store or the car for your lady. You give your seat to your elders. You never shake a man's hand sitting down. You stand up to shake that hand. You always look another man in the eye when speaking to him. If you're not sure if you should wear a suit, wear the suit. It's better to be overdressed than underdressed. Never pee into the wind. Well, that one's kind of self-explanatory. And there's more. But I want to examine today is the saying that you never get a second chance to make a first impression. How do we define first impressions today? Is it the in-person, real-life meeting the first time? Is it the first time we read a person's social media page? Or must we take the collective of the two? Must we reserve our first impression until we've had a chance to evaluate the individual in person and online over a period of time? I remember as a kid I wasn't allowed to say I didn't like a particular food until I tried it at least twice. My parents' thought process was that maybe I didn't like the way it was prepared the first time, and maybe the second time prepared differently, I would like it. Although this train of thought was sometimes successful with food, I'm not convinced it's the best thought process for choosing friends. You know, if I don't like who you are at work, but you're cool outside of work, well, well, who are you? Which one are you? Are you being fake at work or outside of work? And why the two differences? Others might see it differently than me. I see the two different personalities, so to me, one must be fake. Others might take both and say they are the sum of the two. Maybe my thinking is wrong. I don't know. How do you think people should be? 
Is it okay to act differently in different environments, almost like two completely different people? Or are you like me and think folks should be the same everywhere? Let me know. I'd like to hear what your thoughts are. Let's talk about friends. Do all your friends get along with each other? I find it difficult sometimes to have a friend who doesn't get along with another one of my friends. It's common for one friend to try and influence my opinion of another friend. For an example, have you ever been the new guy at work and you get to scoop in all your coworkers from, you know, that one person? Well, I try not to let their negative experience influence my opinion. However, I do notice a nagging voice in the back of my mind reminding that friend A doesn't like friend B because they do X, Y, Z. You know, it's worse yet if friend B happens to do something that resembles XYZ. Then my mind tends to say, see, friend A was right. Friend B does do XYZ. So the question, would I have picked up on friend B doing XYZ if friend A wasn't always pointing it out? Is friend A right and I'm too blind to see it? Or am I being overly judgmental because friend A has pre-planted the negative seed in my mind? Married folks. Folks in relationships, do you like all your significant other's friends? Do they like yours? Have they told you, have you told your significant other of your dislike for their friend or friends? And what was their response or your response? What have you done about it? Have you ever stopped being friends with someone because your significant other asked you to? Have you ever asked your significant other to stop being friends with someone? And what happens if they refused? How did that affect your relationship with your significant other? Has anyone ever cautioned you about a relationship or friendship you had and you didn't listen, but later regretted it and wished that you had? I had several close friends try to talk me out of marrying my second wife. It took me five years of marriage to realize they were right. Is the first, second, or even third impression of a person the real person? I have in the past interacted with an individual for years. Years! to only later discover something horrible about their personality behavior that was deeply concealed. Let's face it, friendships are tough. Relationships are tough. No one is perfect. Everyone has faults. We must learn to either accept or overlook some faults in order for a relationship to work. They must accept or overlook our faults. But what happens when there are things we can't overlook? Do we bring it up for discussion? Do we end the relationship? You know, relationship counseling is big business. Marriage counselors, clergy spend countless hours trying to restore relationships. And when that fails, divorce lawyers make a killing dissolving the marriages. We have organizations for women who are being abused in their marriages and relationships. But what about the men? We don't talk about men being the victim very often. Some men are in physically abusive relationships let's talk about emotional abuse. I have no trouble telling a woman that she needs to divorce that dirtbag and move on. But why is it so difficult to tell your male friends the same? If you help a woman leave a verbally, emotionally abusive relationship, society calls you a hero. Do the same for a man and you're a zero. A no good so-and-so that ruined a marriage. Why the double standard? I know a good man who is showing signs of emotional defeat. His wife is always calling him on the phone and mad when he doesn't immediately answer and report his whereabouts. And I'm not over-exaggerating when I say always. It's probably every hour on the hour or more. Just, where are you? What are you doing? And you can hear her voice and tone on the voice coming through and she's not happy. He has to ask her permission to do anything. 
She constantly takes his money for her personal expenses, even though she works. This guy isn't even allowed to enjoy a cigar, or she'll get mad and yell at him. This doesn't include the normal insults that she's constantly throwing at him. His self-confidence is beaten up, and you can tell that it's just extremely low. Now I worry that if I say something to him, you know, it might upset him. Think to myself, well, maybe he enjoys being controlled. You know, maybe this works for him. Maybe, it, you know, maybe it's their thing. But then I also think that, you know, maybe he'll be embarrassed that I've discovered a situation of abuse. I wonder, what if my perception that she has his balls in her purse is comparable to, you know, the social media in real life and it's just completely misconstrued and, and not the reality? You know, maybe it's all in my head. Or maybe, just maybe, my perception of his situation is 100% on point. And he's going to seek help or counseling, you know, if we bring it up. Why is it so hard to talk to another guy about this type of situation? If I saw a woman in the same situation, I wouldn't even hesitate to address it. To the fellows listening, do you have the same problem? Or do you have any advice on how to, you know, tactfully address this? I've recently had a mutual friend approach me about this same man. And they too have noticed it. I explained that I had not said anything because I thought that maybe I was biased in my observation. But now that this friend approached me and is seeing the same exact thing I see, it made me wonder if I should say or do something. So I asked this friend, you know, what do you, what, what do you think we should do? His response was, it's none of my business, but I know what I'd do. So here I am. My gut says to say something. But on the other hand, they say you can't judge a man unless you've walked a mile in his shoes. Are my first impressions of the relationship wrong? Do I wait and observe more or do I address it now? I keep hearing my late father's voice saying, If it looks like a duck, swims like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it's probably a damn duck. By now, you might be saying, you know, mind your own business, Mike. Stay out of their relationship. Quit meddling in places you don't belong. You know, it's none you. None your business. My question to you, don't we have a responsibility to our friends? Don't we wish to see our friends healthy and happy? This man's emotionally beat up. Statistics are frightening. How far down does this man have to be pushed before he cracks and ends up either hurting himself or another? Oh, Mike, now you're over-dramatizing it. Am I? Isn't it better to be wrong now than to unfortunately be right when it's too late? What would you do? That's the show for today. I'd love to hear from you and hear what your thoughts and comments are on today's show. Or if there is a topic that I have not covered and you would like me to, please let me know. Comments can be emailed to thesquaredham at gmail.com. Again, that's thesquaredham at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. And until next time, remember, you can spend your time searching for light or you can become the light.